Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. I'm looking at what is really a lovely morning at the moment. There's a, lots of blue sky out there, a little bit of cloud around, but it's one of those lovely bright summer, not summer, but uh, autumn days almost, even though we're into uh, November and temperatures today expected to be milder than uh, than usually for this time of year. And it, it just is really a lovely day. And but, but my thoughts are with families who are going through a lot of sadness today. And there's a huge amount of sadness, certainly within this radio station and this the community, our little radio family here, because unfortunately on Friday we heard of the very sad and sudden death of Colm O'Connell, who was the former managing director here at uh, C103. And he was one of the radio pioneers. He was there at the start of independent radio. He had worked in pirate radio previous to that, but he was one of the ones, like a lot of us, who made the move into independent radio. And he was the backbone of C103 and the starting up of C103. And subsequently, then the buyout of 96 uh, FM. And he's really the reason that I'm sitting in this chair. And nearly now, 31 years later, I'm still doing the same programme because it was Colm who made that initial phone call to me when I was working in radio in Tipperary to say, Would I be interested in making the move to uh, Cork? And I had a number of meetings with him. And I remember at one of the final meetings when I made the decision to move uh, to Cork, I remember him saying, You will really grow as a presenter uh, by joining our team and God how how right he was I wasn't to know that I'd still be sitting here doing the same programme and be very grateful to be doing the programme 31 years later but he was one of those bosses who believed in people and he was he was radio he used to eat, sleep and breathe radio and he knew what good radio was but he very much believed in his people and in his team and I think all of us and there's been just this huge outpouring since we heard because it was a very sudden death uh, for Colm and when the news broke on Friday there was a sense of disbelief that maybe it wasn't true and then everybody who had worked with Colm over the years everyone has just lovely stories to tell how he as a boss helped them maybe on a private matter he was always there I always felt with Colm he had your back and there's something about working in a company where you feel where you You've got great respect for the boss, but you know that the boss is always there and is always looking out for you. And if the chips are ever down, it's a door you can knock on and that you can go in and that you'll you'll have a sympathetic and a compassionate ear. And I remember only six months after I joined the radio station, my own mother died suddenly. And that was a huge shock to me and to my family. And Colm again 
was one of the first to arrive and say, look, whatever you need, whatever we can do for you, take as much time as you need for the grieving process. And he was just really wonderful and very sympathetic, but very compassionate. And then recently when I won, when I got inducted into the Hall of Fame, one of the first people to send a message to congratulate me was Colm uh, O'Connell. And and I'm so glad that recently I had a a pretty long phone call uh, with him, which I'm so glad now that I had. And I was speaking with his gorgeous wife, Peg, on Friday. And it was just such a tough and a difficult conversation to have with Peg because Peg and their son, Wesley, I mean, they were Colm's world. You know, he was this huge radio tycoon and this huge radio head. But more than anything, he was a family man and he adored his wife, Peg, and he adored their son, Wesley. So there's there's the huge void that has been left in their lives. I can't even begin to imagine. So my deepest, deepest sympathies to Peg and to Wesley and to Brian, his brother, and Una, his sister, and the rest of the O'Connell family. It's just, as I say, everybody within our little radio family really, really saddened at uh, Cullum's passing and his requiem mass is this morning at 12 noon in the church of St. John the Baptist in Ovens and that then will be followed by cremation at two o'clock. And while I was reeling from Cullum's death on Friday, I woke on Saturday morning to the death of somebody in North Cork who will be known by a lot of, of people somebody who I and a lot of other people just affectionately knew as Mary V. This was Mary V. Uh, Crowley. Mary was his mother of Cathy Crowley, who was the producer of this programme for many years and, of course, also mother of Elaine Crowley of Virgin Media uh, fame. And Mary V. had been unwell for the last number of months, but she'd been battling hard. And uh, sadly, uh, she passed away with surrounded by her family which is the way Mary would have wanted because there was nobody more family orientated than Mary was and anyone that would have followed Mary on Facebook she was always surrounded there was always gorgeous photographs of her uh, surrounded by her children or by her grandchildren and she was just one of those she was a teacher she taught for many years in the convent school in Donnerell so many 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 pupils would have remembered her over the years. She would have obviously been Mrs Crowley to all of the pupils. But she was just one of those much loved people, and you loved to be in her company. She was hugely intelligent, great woman for the crossword puzzle, and she was great to sit and chat. She was she had a huge interest in local history, and she was just a really nice, effervescent person. I loved being in her company. She really was a joy to be around, and she is going to be so sadly missed by her uh, family because she was much loved and 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 I know uh, they all of the Crowley family really really battling with the loss of uh, Mary V and her funeral I actually heard it on the death notice there her funeral mass is today at uh, two o'clock in the church of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Donrail and, and burial afterwards to Old Court Cemetery. So my deepest, deepest sympathies to Cathy and to Elaine and to all of the Crowley family on the passing of your beautiful, gorgeous mother, uh, Mary V. So certainly the world is a little bit darker today because of the passing of both Colm and Mary V. May they both rest in peace. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls you can text our WhatsApp the uh, lines are open to 0862-103-103 and we've already had a call in from a listener who was wondering 
are others experiencing this same problem and this is to do with going to local GAA matches I'm not talking about going to the, the big matches of Porky Cueva or Croke Park but Catherine was on to us to say that she's one of those people diehard GAA supporter she's been attending GAA matches for years and years and years and she said she's one of those like stalwarts of the GAA the car would always be full with the children and she'd be bringing the children around to various matches and she says she's been doing that for years but she said in the last few few weeks when she wanted to go along to attend a game she discovered that she had to purchase her ticket online and then you bring your phone with you to prove that you've purchased your ticket and that's the only way you're allowed in they're not taking cash at the gate for any of the GAA matches anymore and she said she doesn't operate online that's not something she's ever done it's not something she has access uh, to and because of that she's now not allowed into local GAA matches and she feels that's very unfair because there are a cohort of people who don't deal on online, don't have bank accounts, don't have access to the internet, know nothing about booking a ticket online and she feels that these are the people who've been supporting the local GAA clubs for many, many years and now they're sadly been forgotten about and they're being left behind and she was wondering because it happened again at the weekend, she wanted to go to a match, she couldn't because she couldn't purchase the ticket online and she's wondering are others having the same problem as her and how widespread is is this uh, problem and I imagine Catherine that you're not on your own because you're right not everyone has access to the internet not everybody is comfortable using the internet and people who go to GAA matches would have their money in their pocket and they'd go up to the gate and they'd pay at the gate and they'd deal in cash and there are people who only like to deal in cash as well and that's the way they like to do things so I don't think you're on your own Uh, but Catherine wants us to raise it on the programme this morning just to see are others feeling as hard done by as she is and is there a possible solution to it and I am assuming if we get on to the GAA they will tell us that it's to do with Covid times and they don't want to be handling cash I'm assuming it's something to do with that and the easiest way for numbers and contact tracing is to have everybody do it online so then they have a record of everybody who's attending. I'm assuming that that's their reason uh, before it, uh, reason for it. But does it mean that it's going to stay in place or will it when COVID, whenever that happens, that the pandemic is behind us, will they revert back to taking cash at the turnstiles again? I don't know. Nancy in Bantry is not looking at the GAA but is looking at the rugby match. She was watching it on the TV and she said she couldn't get over the gang that were going in into the rugby on Saturday she said you could count on one hand the number of people were wearing masks she couldn't believe it she found it's really frightening because she said figures numbers are so high at the moment with Covid cases are people just getting very complacent when it comes to Covid and because we've had our vaccine people are starting to think Asher I'm fine I've had my vaccine and we know it, and it, it, it couldn't be further from the truth because vaccinated people are of course still getting Covid and can still spread it as well so Catherine was taken aback at the lack of mask wearing by the the rugby fraternity going into the match. And then Stephen from Kerry has contacted by something that's slightly off topic to uh, COVID, but it could have a COVID connection to it, Stephen. Stephen from County Kerry says, I thought I'd drive the Ring of Bearer yesterday. It's been quite a few years since I've done so with COVID and everything and restrictions and having to stay within your own county, Stephen, and the two kilometre rule and the five kilometre rule. So he decided, there you go, he'll go off around the Bearer Peninsula yesterday. And he was passing through one of the villages in the Bearer Peninsula. Now, Stephen, I'm not naming the village in case it's the only, only cafe in the village. And you'd understand why I can't mention that. So Stephen says, I thought I'd have a snack. So seeing a little cafe open, I went in and I had a plain scone and a cup of tea. 
€6.50 please says the cashier thought it was a bit of a rip off to be honest I live in the most tourist orientated place in Ireland i.e. Kerry and the most I've ever paid for a cup of tea in Descone is €5 some places you'll even get it for €4 Euro. others I've bought it for €4.70 Euro lovely little village on the Bear Peninsula but I don't think I'll be stopping there again all the best, said Stephen from County Kerry. 6.50 for a scone and it, whether it was a pot of tea or a cup of tea does seem a tad on the expensive side, Stephen. And the reason that I know you say at the start it's a slightly different topic to COVID, but I'm wondering, is it because of COVID that costs have gone up, cost of business has gone up? And while we're on, or is that just a complete rip-off? Is 6.50 for a scone and a cup of tea a complete and utter rip-off? Because I had an experience, I was in Clonmel over the weekend we were taking the mother-in-law out to dinner. It was her birthday and we had a lovely meal on Saturday night, COVID compliant. We were checked, everything very impressed. And then yesterday morning, I went out to breakfast with a friend of mine. She's kind of my, you know, the friend that you have from your childhood. We would have met in first year in school and we've been friends since bridesmaids at each other, wedding and all of that. And because of COVID times and all of that, she lives in Clamel, I live in Mallow. We don't see each other that much. And she has a special birthday coming up next weekend. So I said we'd go out for breakfast yesterday morning. So we went out for breakfast, found a lovely little cafe again very COVID compliant we got to the door where COVID certs were checked they, they took contact number and telephone number and name and they even had somebody opening and closing the doors you went in and out of the restaurant so they didn't want people all touching the door handle very impressed sanitising station whole thing we went up to the counter ordered obviously I was paying for the breakfast paid for the bit of breakfast and we sat down and then we were having a good old natter and after we had breakfast and we were sipping our tea and having a good old natter a young waiter came over and said would you like to have some fresh tea and I said god that would be terrific now they had served us two individual we'd ordered tea for two but they'd given us two little individual pots of tea so he literally took the tea, two teapots from the table, went up, filled them up with the hot water. I think may have thrown in an, an extra tea bag, to be fair to him. Brought the two pots of tea back. He was obviously gloved up and everything. Put the two teapots down. There was a little jug of milk on the table. He refilled that and Bob's your uncle and off he went and we proceeded to drink our tea. And then before I left, I went to go to the loo. And as I came back, I saw my friend Anne at the counter and I was thinking, oh, she's doing up at the counter. So I went back down to the seat and she came back and I said, what are you doing up at the counter? And she said, I was paying for the extra tea. And I said, but she, they weren't charging for that. Wasn't that not a top up? And she said, no, they charged. And I said, what did they charge you for? Five euro, which was obviously two fifty for is what a pot of tea is for one. But they, they recharged us again, having used the same teapots. We used the same cup and saucer. They didn't have to wash, do extra washing up. I was fuming. I, I really, really was annoyed about it. Didn't say anything, didn't draw attention to it because I felt I was treating it to breakfast and I didn't want to make a big hoo-ha about it. But I tell you, a little bit like what Stephen says, uh, I won't be stopping there again. I won't be going back there again, for sure. I just thought that, to me, that was a rip-off. To be honest, I would have gotten up from the table and walked out. I didn't think that we were even going to be charged for it. Now, and before, I'll have cafes defending it, saying that they had to put the boiling water in and they possibly put in an extra tea bag into the teapot and they gave you the extra little bit of milk. I accept all of that. But to charge full whack again, the same price we were charged when we sat down with the original tea for one, Ah, I think that's a bit of a rip-off. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 
103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Gardaí in North Cork are investigating an incident in which a woman was attacked and sexually assaulted in the Fomoy area. It happened last evening. Our news reporter, Mairead Tuig, joins me with more details. Good morning to you, Mairead. Good morning, Chimurai. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you, you're welcome. Now, at this stage, good morning, Patricia. Yeah, I can hear you. Good morning. Uh, you're welcome. At this stage, what is known to have happened? Yeah, so this was around 6.45pm last evening, Patricia. This woman was out walking her dog and uh, she was attacked on the south side of Fermoy town. Now, in the attack, she was knocked to the ground and she was sexually assaulted by a lone male attacker who also stole some of her personal belongings. So there was two people, they were also out walking. So you can imagine at 6.45pm of an evening, you have a lot of people out walking, especially on a Sunday. So they were also out walking. They went to the aid of this woman and the attacker fled the scene. Now, Gardaí were alerted. They were quickly on the scene and the woman was taken to hospital for treatment. Um, the area has been cordoned off. Gardaí say this morning that their investigations are ongoing. The scene has been sealed off. There'll be a full technical exam of that scene will be carried out today. Now, Gardaí um, are appealing for any information and, you know, anyone who may have been out, who may have seen anything suspicious in the Loretto sports grounds or anywhere nearby between 6 and 7 p.m. last evening. And you're asked to contact from the station at the number there. It's 025-82100. And at this stage, Mairead, firstly, do we know how the woman is? Uh, we, we don't have an update on the woman's um, condition at this time, but I know she went to the, the sexual assault treatment unit, which is in the South Infirmary in the city. And I can just imagine, you know, that she must be very distraught after this horrendous attack. And my thoughts go out to her and her family. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it, and the hour of the, the, the night, as you say, quarter to seven on a Sunday evening, out walking the dog, possibly something that this lady does every single night takes her dog out for a walk as lots of other people do and you expect in your hometown that you're going to be safe walking your dog of an evening. Absolutely. I mean, you wouldn't even think twice about doing it. As you say, you know, 6.45 in the evening, you'd never think that it would be an unsafe time. And it's just absolutely frightening for, you know, going out, as, as you say, take your dog out. And anyone who has a dog knows that, you know, you walk them regularly. So mm. it is a regular thing that you do. So it's just, it's it's frightening that, that it's happened. And a lot of people are now out exercising. People are trying to shift the COVID stones. So there's many people out exercising, you know, at all times of the day or night. And we're into the dark evening you know come four or five o'clock it's it's dark now and I imagine there's a sense of fear in the area as well Oh, without a doubt. And I, I think the area is in, in shock that something like this could happen. And, you know, as we say, like such an early time in the evening, you'd never you wouldn't even think twice going out the door that, you know, something like this might happen. So it's really, really frightening. And yeah, OK, so we're waiting. So the Gardaí, anything suspicious, anyone perhaps that might have dash cam uh, footage between six and seven yesterday evening, Sunday evening, please contact uh, for more Garda station. And you were at MTU this morning, Emirate. 
Yes, I am. I just out. I, I just filed a bit to news there. So we spoke with uh, Taoiseach Michal Martin there. Um, they're here for the flag raising ceremony at MTU. So there's a, a lot of people around. You had uh, Minister Simon Harris is there, Michael McGrath, um, Simon Coveney, Michal Martin. So yeah, we spoke to Taoiseach Michal Martin and uh, he was asked a lot of questions. You know, there, w- there was a mix of questions between local and national. Now he was asked about um, testing in schools and contact tracing because obviously the figures of late have been quite worrying quite high in terms of COVID cases and new cases being confirmed each evening. They've been up, you know, in in a couple of thousands. So he said that antigen tests will be used in given areas in schools. But he said that the message from public health at the moment is that RSV and other respiratory illnesses, that they are actually more of a problem now for children than COVID and that that's what's seeing... um, a number of children being admitted into hospitals. But what he urged anyone, he said anyone who is anyway symptomatic, whether it be, you know, a cold or it doesn't like, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be COVID, stay out of school, just just stay out, you know, get better before you come back. So yeah, he mentioned RSV and he mentioned bronchitis and a few other respiratory illnesses. But what he did say is that the use of antigen tests in schools, it's under review. And he did say that it, it will be used in given areas in schools, because as far as I understand, was it Health Minister Stephen Donnelly said yesterday that uh, that they will start to be um, used in schools. Our contact tracing will start to resume. So I think that's a worry that a lot of parents have, um, you know, as we, we come into the winter months, colder yeah, weather. Yeah, and I, I heard just to, I suppose, Stephen Donnelly at the weekend saying that the antigen test he reckons will be in use in all schools by Christmas. So uh, let's wait and see. OK, and we'll hear more of your report on the news at 11. Listen, Murray, thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye, Moreta Tuig, our news reporter. From Oigard, the station, once again, if you spotted anything yesterday, if you were out and about and you've got dash cam footage, if you could take a look at your dash cam uh, footage from Oigard, the station is 025 And just by the way, because I've spotted a text come in to do with the booster jabs for people aged over 60. Uh, We know that the booster jabs for people aged 60 to 69 are going to be administered at the vaccine centres, whereas for people over the age of 70, you go to your GP. Now, I had a very distressing call from one of our regular listeners uh, to the programme this morning who is in her late 60s. She's desperate to get the uh, booster because she has a family member who is immune compromised because the family member is battling cancer at the moment and she's in very close contact with this person and she's terrified of picking up COVID because she's going in to see this person in the hospital who's under treatment at the moment. She's just really terrified. So she'd contacted her GP to see was there any way that her GP could give her the booster but the GP, when she didn't get through to the GP, she got through to uh, somebody working in the GP practice absolutely said no if you're in the 60 to 69 age group GPs can't help you you need to go to the vaccination centre where you received your initial uh, dose and I'm already seeing other people texting in saying is there any way your GP can give you your booster shot if you are just or if this person is just over 60 and I can straight out and tell you no GPs are told that they can give the booster jab to people aged 70 and over many of those already they would have given them their first jab but people aged 60 to 69 the HSE are telling us that you'll get a text message to tell you when to go similar to how you got your first dose and of course the HSE have been saying you've got to be six months after 
since you had your second shot, which for some people is going to bring them up into January. So the reason I'm mentioning it is I'm trying to see because particularly this lady this morning who I spoke with before I came on here, she was so upset, uh, uh, God help her, and I was saying to her to, she was going to get, but she got onto the HSE and they didn't really know what they could do for her. So I was telling her to get back onto the HSE vaccination crew again this morning and to, to push her case. But I'm just wondering, has anyone aged between 60 and 69, has anybody yet got a date to go to the vaccination centre if you can let us know I'm just trying to find out have they started to issue appointments for people to go to the vaccine centres to get their booster shots this is for people aged 60 to 69 we know the over 70s are being contacted by their GPs but this is for the 60 to 69 year olds who will be going to get it at the vaccine centre where they got their first and second doses so if anybody can tell us please have you got a text from the HSE giving you a date and a time to go to the vaccine centre 1850 333103 or you can text her WhatsApp as please to 0862103103. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Driving instructors have accused the Road Safety Authority of treating them in a degrading fashion by denying them access to test centres. To discuss what is going on, I'm joined by local driving instructor Martin Hennessy of you drive in at Charleville. Good morning to you, Martin. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well, very well, and you're very welcome to the programme. Now, this obviously is to do with COVID. Have you been denied access to the test centres since the very start of COVID? Okay, so firstly, Patricia, just to say that I'm not here to defend or complain. I'm just here to kind of talk about the situation in general. Yeah. So just to paint the picture to your listeners as to what's actually happening at the moment. Uh, the last time I spoke to you was in May 2020, which is a very different situation altogether. Um, so at the moment, um, when the tests are carry out, carried out, um, yes, we're not allowed any access into the test centres at the moment. There's no waiting rooms um, while the test is being carried out at the moment. So um, I suppose part of this reason would be a little people would be frustrated as to why that is. But uh, the RSA don't own these buildings, number one. Um, so basically they are specifically for the people who are turning up to do their driving tests. Um, and also, um, they don't have any way of kind of, um, with everyone or everyone having COVID certs at the moment or don't have COVID certs, there's no one really there to check those. So they couldn't really have a waiting room for people coming in and out for COVID reasons, really, I suppose, you know. Can you even pop in to use the loo? No. Um, see, the thing about it is, Patricia, I suppose, ever... So we said, I suppose that the test centres are really for, for the customer's use. Uh, more so even than the driving instructors, it would actually be for the person who's turning up as a full licensed driver would be a person who would have more of a problem than the driving instructors themselves because they actually have nowhere to go because they might be getting out of the car that they've turned up in and the other person could be doing their testing so they actually have no place to go. And pre-COVID, people were allowed to sit in a waiting room? Yes, pre-COVID, people were allowed to sit in the waiting room. They were allowed to use the toilet facilities, obviously. You know, it's very important for a person who's doing the tre- test, obviously. You know, people are nervous on the driving test. So they are able to use the, the toilet facilities when they turn up in the test centre. They can ask the tester for permission to use the toilet before they start their test. But it's not really far for the life. But the person who travels, either the instructor or, as you said, in particularly for the younger drivers, mammy or daddy... 
might yeah. have driven them to the test centre or be sitting with them in the car. And of course, mommy, your daddy can't sit in the car while you're going round on the test. So they yeah. have to yeah. get out. So they're, so, so if you go up to any driving test centre, there's going to be people hanging around outside. There is, no, just to give you an idea, I'm actually sitting in my little car at the moment and I've got a person beside me just about to do a lesson in the moment, but her sister's actually doing a driving test for me in about 20 minutes in Mallow and her father's actually gone out there with her. Now, he's got a bad back, he had an operation and uh, it just so happens that this other girl's uh, boyfriend is going to go out and, and, and meet him out there, so so he's not kind of stuck out there. But um, at the test at the moment, there seems to be a big tent out at Mallow Racecourse, so... There is a place there that people can stand in out of the rain, but it's not ideal. Yeah. It's the way it is. It's COVID times. There's no one at the test centre to to kind of look and check for COVID stuff like you do when you go into a pub or a restaurant. So there still is the aspect of you could be going out there meeting five other people who you shouldn't be meeting, and then someone's going out on a driving test with a tester. Um, so there's all that kind of thing kind of side of it as well. Um, I know of a couple of test centres around the country, there's one down in the Catskill West uh, in particular, and for the last 10 or 12 years you couldn't use a toilet in there except for the person that was doing the driving test because they don't own the building, it's owned by the uh, Social Welfare Office, so the RSA don't own these buildings. And that seems to be the same all over the country, so certainly this isn't something that's going to get sorted until at least the pandemic is well gone. Yeah, um, it's hard to know what's going to happen. I, 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 the race course in Mallow, I, I have a feeling it's on a temporary contract out there. They've got four testers out there at the moment, whereas they only had two in the old test centre. So they've provided a bigger space, more testers, but at the moment they're keeping that door closed for, for the okay. likes of myself. Okay, it's not just, a problem for just, driving instructors, because driving instructors might be able to actually dip into another person's car and do a lesson while someone else is up while your head. car is gone but yeah but it's it's the parents or the person who yeah. and, and yeah. of course somebody turning up for a driving test has to have a fully licensed driver with them so they all have to turn up with somebody that's correct that yeah. is correct and I, I would say they're the people that are suffering more than, than okay. anyone because they're the ones waiting around yeah. while we have you on the line Mar- Martin talk to me about backlogs what's happening with driving tests is there still a massive backlog or are they working through it well, I've good news in the sense that I would actually say that now your listeners are from a wide area, but um, in Mallow in particular, I would say the waiting list, um, Mallow's one of the best test centres in the country at the moment. There actually is no real waiting list in Mallow because there's four testers on every day of the week, so you can get a test within two or three weeks if you're lucky. Um, in some test centres around the country, like Ennis, I think it's four or five months. In Limerick, it's a few months. Not sure about Tipperary. Uh, but in Mallow, it's a great place to do a driving test at the moment because the waiting list is actually quite low. OK, so that's, um, a, that's a good advice to people waiting to, who urgently want to get their test put put in for Mallow. Just to give you two quick examples, would you believe it? I actually had somebody from Valley Farmers in Dublin about three weeks ago came down to Mallow to do their driving test because the waiting list in Dublin, they, told, they were told they wouldn't be able to do their test until after Christmas and they contacted Mallow. They got a test there within three weeks. I met the person about four or five days before their test did their lessons, did their test, and went back to Dublin with a full licence. Now that's, so, that's, that, <laughs> that's I'm extreme. assuming that, that is, that is extreme. Did they come down and spend a few days down here? Yeah, they had a sister living in Cork oh, and they stayed there for a few days. Um, I had another person from Clonmel, did a test in Mallow there about two months ago. So uh, that person actually couldn't get driving lessons in their area, mm. but they actually came up here. Now that, isn't that another problem? The people trying to get the lessons? 
lessons are actually a big problem at the moment. The actually the lessons are nearly a bigger problem than getting a test date. Um, since we started back in July 2020, we became essential after the first four and a half months of lockdown. I was talking to you in May 2020, and we went back working around the end of July. Mm. So since then, we haven't stopped. Um, we've been classed as essential, and we've been working flat out since. So, yeah, getting lessons is nearly a bigger problem. The theory test was a big problem before. I think that's been rectified. That's sorted itself, yeah. We haven't heard any complaints about that for, for quite some time. But there's a backlog of people who weren't able to get lessons because they weren't essential workers, so they couldn't get the lessons. So you're almost doing catch-up with all of those. Yeah, we are. We are. Like, it's, it's, we can take anybody for driving lessons at the moment. Um, but... Um, yeah, so just to give an example, we say once we started back in July 2020, if a driving instructor did 40 hours a week, we've about 2,500 people or hours done since since then. Um, so we're actually seeing nearly more people than a doctor seeing every day of the week, and that's how busy it is at the moment. Incredible. So do we need more driving instructors? Well, that's a good point. Um, I would say to people at the moment, yeah, there is. it depends on the area in certain areas. Um, I could probably name 40 driving instructors off the top of my head locally um, but in other areas there might be a shortage of driving instructors um, so it may be something for some people to consider out there if they're looking for a career mm-hmm. change Yeah, yeah. Um, and how are your students doing? What's your pass rate like Martin? Well <laughs> <laughs> what can I say if you go onto the Facebook and Instagram page it's like the girl from Dublin. She just went onto the Facebook page, had a look at the reviews. That's all I say. I mean, <laughs> when you're I, good, I hope, you're good, Martin. <laughs> I hope. I hope it's fairly high anyway. At this stage, I'm, I'm doing it long enough. All right. Listen, you're always a pleasure. I'll let you get back to that uh, lesson and uh, good, good luck to the young person taking the lesson with you and to their sister who's gone out on their test. And in the meantime, Martin, thank you for that and stay safe. No problem. Thanks so much. God bless. Take care. Bye bye. That is uh, Martin Hennessy of uh, U Drive uh, Driving uh, Test, uh, Driving Instructor based in Charleville, but seems to work all over the North Cork area. 1850 333 103. Just on booster shots, somebody has been on to say, uh, this is somebody in West Cork to say, I got my booster injection in Bantry at the vaccination centre in Bantry with my husband last Saturday. Well done to everybody there. Uh, I'm a 67 year old. So there, so therefore there, there's somebody from West Cork who got it through the HSE and has had her booster injection. Now somebody else is saying, and I don't know, has this, we'll see, I might get John Paul to call that person back and just see has this happened to the person. To say, hi Patricia, if you get a text for your booster shot, make sure that you've had your last one six months previous. Because if you turn up on the day for it and your six months aren't up, you'll be wasting your time and you won't get the shot. I'll get John Paul to ring that person back. Is that person saying that they got they got a text to go for their booster and then when they went there, when the records were checked, because surely when they send you out the message to say that you're due your booster, they know when you last had your second shot. So I'm surprised by that. I'll get John Paul to bring that person back and see if we can get uh, clarification on that. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
doesn't want their name entered which is fine Say, says hi Trish I just got a call from the four courts telling me I was being sued for tax evasions well what have you been up to uh, wouldn't have answered but I'm waiting on a call from the local property tax so I took the call I contacted the four courts immediately and they told me that they've had several reports uh, it's a total scam uh, luckily I copped the mobile number it was an 086 number so please be aware of that that's a new one somebody claiming to be from the four courts saying you've been done for tax evasion another scam they keep coming up and they will continue to do that these scam artists and as long as they can catch some people and make money out of it then it will continue you need to bring your A game the whole time when you're answering the phone and it's so frustrating like that for that listener when you're waiting on a call for somebody because as I've been constantly saying I don't answer calls unless the person is in my contact list but there has been occasions where I have answered a call where like that I'm waiting for somebody to call me back and I know that their number isn't in my contact uh, list and inevitably it'll be a scam call but I'm, I'm so well used to them now at, at this stage I know to pretty the automated ones I just hang up immediately and if it's somebody who's trying to engage me in conversation I've had a bit of fun with some of them and my theory on it is if I have the time to have a bit of fun with them I will because it's delaying them getting on to somebody that they might manage to scam money out of but you just need to be very careful every time you now answer the phone. Now a number of people have been on about the booster jabs and particularly the booster jabs for the 60 to 69 year olds who are lots of people are already after getting their booster which is fantastic to hear and people are getting calls for appointments so they are moving through the 60 to 69 year olds and that I take comfort from that because of that distressing call I had from one of our listeners this morning who is desperate to get her booster jab because she's in contact very close contact with somebody who's immune compromised because it's somebody who's battling cancer at the moment and she just wants to make doubly sure that she is going to be okay. Now I asked John Paul to call back the person who had sent in the text saying to people to be very careful that if you go for your booster shot to make sure that you've at least six months since your second shot because if you turn up on the day and your six months aren't up you'll be wasting your time and you won't get the shot and um, Paul contacted the person and is actually a vaccination nurse so they are doing that you need to be six months after your second dose which for a number of people in their 60s they won't be six months past it because a number of people in their, their 60s that was the AstraZeneca group ever between 60 and 69 got AstraZeneca and they had to wait uh, three months so a number of people are pointing uh, that out saying I don't think it, it's six months since most of us over 60 got the second uh, jab as it was AstraZeneca and we had to wait 12 weeks between the jabs that is from Emma but having said that we are getting a lot of calls in from people to say yes they did get their uh, jab somebody said we got a text on Wednesday with a date and a time and a reference number. We have to bring our phones with the text message and our photo ID. Same as the last time. Somebody else said, I got my vaccine on the 31st of the 3rd and then on the 26th of the 6th. So that was an AstraZeneca. There was a three month gap between that. And I got my third one on the 3rd of the 10th. So there wasn't a six month gap in between the third, the second and the third. I was told I would be getting a booster within six months as I have underlying health conditions. So maybe it's different for people who are immune uh, compromised. And a number of people have contacted John Paul, including Mary in Kildallery. She says, I'm 68. I got a text last week from the HSC. I got my booster jab at in City Hall. Uh, but we're told, yes, you do have to wait six months between the second and the final jab. Mary McCroom says, I'm 68. I got uh, mine. Half the parish 
<laughs> were in getting their jab in in City Hall. We were in and out in 20 minutes. Very, very efficient. Always very efficient at those vaccination centres, I have to say. John in Bantry. I got a text on Wednesday for Saturday morning for my booster. I got mine in Bantry. I am aged 60. So lots of people. We're hearing lots of people getting their boosters. And then Michael says, Patricia, you can get the booster shot between five and six months. The Pfizer shot becomes effective after seven days, Moderna two weeks and AstraZeneca four weeks. Well, it's all Pfizer, we're told, that's been used for the booster, so it becomes effective after seven days. And Michael claims you can get it between five and six uh, months. Mary is in Mallow. Patricia, thank you for that, Michael. I had my booster shot on Thursday at City Hall. I'm 63. Very efficient. Nothing to be nervous about. Very well run. No queuing says Mary from Mallow. Hi, Patricia. I am in my 60s and I had coronavirus. My question is, oh, this is one. My question is, can I get my hair coloured again? As I've always had it coloured, I heard you can't get it coloured if you, if you had the virus. Now, Mary, I'm sorry, there's no, there isn't a Mary. There's no name on this. It's a richest done listener. I never heard that before. Did anybody else hear that? I would suggest you make contact with your hairdresser because they're the experts. But I certainly haven't come across. Maybe it was something that was was last year when we were in the first year of the coronavirus. Was it something that if you have coronavirus that you're not allowed to get your hair coloured? Was it for a certain period after you had the virus? Um, Or, you know, was it, you know, for so many months or weeks after you had the virus? I certainly haven't come across it. Anybody throw light on that? But my advice to you, Mitchellstown listener, would be get on to your hairdresser because your hairdresser certainly will be able to point you in the right uh, direction. And then Mary in Clonakilty has come up with something that I don't know the answer to. So we're going to get on to the HSC to see if we can get clarification on this. If you opt not to get the booster and Mary and Clan, I don't know why you're opting not to get the booster because the evidence there of how great protection you get from the booster. But anyway, there will be some people who will opt not to get the booster. Does it affect your COVID search? Mary wants to know, will you still be able to travel if you don't avail of the booster even though you've had your first and your second vaccination, which obviously will be clearly stated on your COVID certificate. And I simply don't know the answer to that. The only, what I do know is in Israel, who started their booster jab first in the world to get their booster jabs out to everybody over the age of 12 because they started seeing a rise in cases and they're the kind of the poster boys for vaccination because they were the first country to have nearly everybody in their country vaccinated so everybody was looking to them to see how they were getting on. They started noticing a spike in cases. They rolled out the booster to everybody over the age of 12. Their numbers absolutely fell quicker than the way they'd increased. I heard one Israeli minister say that the third booster was better than any major lockdown in getting numbers to fall. And I do know in Israel that you must have the booster in order for your COVID pass to work. They're only allowing people to indoor places and cafes and restaurants if they've all three shots done. I'm not saying that we're going to introduce the same thing here uh, because obviously we're not vaccinating enough of the population or offering a booster to enough of the population to do that. Will it eventually come in? I imagine it will. But we'll get it checked with the HSC for you, uh, Mary. Thank you for that. Okay, what else is coming in by way of text? Okay, number of people are on about when we were talking about some cafes and restaurants charging a lot, particularly charging a lot 
for cups of tea and cups of coffee, uh, etc. And I was talking about what had happened to me on Sunday morning when I took my friend out for breakfast and we got a top up of tea and I went to go to the loo because I paid for breakfast at the start and when I was coming back from the loo I noticed my friend was up at the counter and when she came back I said, what were you doing? And she said, I was paying for the top up and I said, did they charge it? And she said, yes. And, she, <laughs> and I said, how much? She said, it was a fiver and I was, couldn't believe that we got charged for the top up of tea. I wonder if I'd walked out with somebody who'd come running after me saying you haven't paid for your tea. Uh, Pat in from Oye is saying, uh, Patricia, are you certain that they knew it was only a top up? Did your friend just go up and offer to pay as uh, many people would do? No, because the way the restaurant worked was you paid first and then you sat down and you got one of those signs with a number on it and then they brought your tea and your food and whatever so that they didn't have a queue at the counter. That's why I was very impressed with the way this cafe was running. So you sat down and then they brought they brought your food down. So they, she went up and said we had a top up. So yes, they, they did know. We still did get charged five euro for the top up. Helen says, I was in a cafe recently and I noticed everything seems to have uh, gone up by one euro or one euro at 50. Catherine says, many of those establishments were closed for so long. They're now trying to make their money back. This is happening in every catering establishment. We're all going to start seeing every Everything going up in price. Some of your WhatsApps in. Morning, Patricia. On the way to Mitchellstown on Sunday morning, I stopped at a village. I had a large latte and a beautiful French fresh scone. Four euro in ten. It was delicious. It was delicious, and that was great value as well. In a village, is that was is that in Kildallery that you got that? I wonder. If it's good prices like that, you certainly can tell us. It's just when people are slagging off someplace, we'd have to get on to them and make, we'd have to get on to the business to make sure that that business did charge that. But certainly if you're praising a place, you can you can t- let us know about it. Hi, Patricia, with regards to breakfast, I'll tell you a better one than what happened to you with your top up of tea. We were on holidays in Wexford recently and we went out for breakfast. I saw it was advertised 11 euro for full Irish breakfast. So that's good value. Inside we went and we ordered. When we went to pay, it was extra for the tea. They don't include tea and coffee with the breakfast even though it was the first question they asked us. Do you want tea or coffee? And of course you're going to say whether you want a cup of tea or a cup of coffee if you're having a full Irish breakfast. But they don't tell you that they're charging extra for it and that happened in Wexford. I actually heard of it happening somewhere else as well. Now I don't know, is that becoming the norm that when you see an establishment say Full Irish, I mean, a full Irish breakfast for eleven euro—that's good value. I think that's good value for, and particularly if you get a decent uh, full Irish. But you assume that a full Irish is going to be your tea and coffee and maybe a slice of toast on the side. Wouldn't you expect that as well? So you need to check that. You definitely need to check that. And I think you need to be asking when you go into establishments if they are advertising a full Irish for a certain price. You're going to need to check and find out: uh, is it? Does that include the tea and the coffee? Are you going to charge me extra as well, maybe for a, a cup of coffee or a slice of toast? Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. And some reaction to one of our first callers or texters this morning who was talking about going to matches and has gone to matches for many, many, many years and now is no longer able to go because they're not accepting cash at the turnstile anymore. You have to pre-book your ticket online and then you bring your ticket electronically on your phone. 
listener who contacted us said don't deal with that don't deal online just deal with cash and was saying backbone of the GAA we've you know for years supporting all the matches and bringing children around to all of the matches and this is the way they're being uh, treated Marion Roscarbury says I've gone to the majority of the junior games this year the senior games you have to go online but the underage and the junior you can pay at the gate but she said certainly that's what's happening in West Cork and someone else, there was a couple of other people on as well um, on that issue saying, I can't find them though, there's been so many texts and WhatsApps uh, coming in. Let me see if I can find some more of them. Somebody says, Patricia, you pay at the gate going into football matches, certainly in West Cork, no bother at all. So I'm wondering what area the listener was in. And I think somebody else was on from Hollow saying they're certainly still paying at the gate as well. So maybe it is different areas are deciding not to deal with cash and I'm open to correction but they're not dealing with the cash I take it is to do with COVID and Jay says if it is to do with COVID I feel that's a lame excuse from the GAA they don't mind taking cash when they're looking for your money for their lotto says uh, Jay 1850 and let me just quickly go to a uh, text. This is on something that I know we dealt with last week on the programme and I actually saw it. It's picked up in the papers today and this is to do with the new arrangements for funerals in the Diocese of Cork and Ross and uh, listeners on about that and is a little bit upset I take it by the uh, tone of the text and Trisha I hope you can have this is in relation to the new rules applied for funerals in the Diocese of Cork and Ross it's my understanding and I may be corrected in this for funerals the body is not allowed to come to the church the evening before the person must be brought straight from their home or the funeral home directly to the church prior to the funeral mass I can understand to a point why this was the case during Covid times However, to have this be the new rule going forward, I think is awful to the person that maybe would wish to spend their final night on this earth in the church. If a person, for example, has no family, not in a position to go straight to the church that morning, the previous practice where a body lay in repose in the church and people could line up to sympathise with them would no longer be the case, as this is a place where God is worshipped. Trish, I find this all wrong and totally disturbing. Will the same rule apply to priests and uh, bishops thinking you when they pass away. Thanking you uh, Patricia. We discussed it actually last week with Father uh, Tom Hayes on the programme and it's a decision that's been made uh, by the Bishop of uh, Cork and Ross. And actually I thought I had a really interesting chat. I was talking to somebody over the weekend said they were listening to Father Tom and really enjoyed uh, his interview last week. And he was making the point that in older, many years ago, that's the way the practice was, that the body, the body came straight from the house. It was waked at the house and it came straight to the church and then the prayers were said for the arrival into the church and then that was followed by the funeral mass and followed by the funeral afterwards, our burial, our cremation. It's got a lot to do with the lack of priests. They don't have enough priests and that's why they're going to reintroduce again something that was there again in former times, these sort of committees, these funeral group groups that will be going around the parish and they'll be helping families to prepare for uh, funerals. But, you know, to anyone who really is very upset, and I know last week when we discussed it and the reason we brought on Father Tom was of all of the new rules that are coming in around the funerals, that's the one that seems to be upsetting a cohort of people. Some people just like the idea that when they pass away that they will be in the church for the final night before the burial 
and they like the idea of it. I would suggest that you maybe write to the bishop because ultimately this decision has come from the bishop. I don't know within individual parishes, maybe talk to your local parish priest. Would if if somebody passed away and the family really knew that this person wanted to stay in the church the night before, I don't know if individual parishes can make arrangements or not, but that certainly would be up to the parish priest. So I would suggest maybe you have a chat with your parish priest, see what he has to say, failing that put a letter in the post to the Bishop. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. Medical Secretary is wanted for a busy GP practice in Mallow. Now the job does come with an immediate start and it's to cover maternity leave. Email caroline.gray at corporalclinic.ie Four qualified child carers are wanted to work in the French Alps. Now, it's from later this month right through to next April. You need to FeeTech or NoVQ Level 5 or higher qualifications and CVs to simon at skifamil.co.uk. General operatives are required for immediate start traffic management positions. You email info at networkxtm.ie. And steel fixer and joiner required, call Brendan at 087-902-2067 or email your CV to bcocklin at b&o&b.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. cmig.ie. In a follow-up book to Louis Body Dementia, Survival and Me, Canturk author Kevin Quaid writes from the heart with an honest account of what it is like to live with Louis Body Dementia. While the book can be a difficult read at times, it is very much a book full of hope and help. Kevin Quaid joins me to chat about his latest book called I Am Kevin, Not uh, Louis. Good morning to you, Kevin. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and it's always a delight to talk to you on the programme. Congratulations, firstly, on another stunning book and you write with such great honesty and that's what I love about your your writing. You have a great style of writing but I just love the way you write with such honesty. Let me go back, though, to the first book. Were you blown away by the reaction to the first book? Well, I'll never forget sitting inside in your studio and you said you have author, the author, Kevin Quaid, and I just got a fit of laughing. I said, imagine to be called an author. But three and a half years later, there's still a couple of books selling every month. I, 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 cannot, I just cannot get over the response to it. And it just highlighted to me, Patricia, the hunger that's out there for people who have Louis body disease. And... We're after setting up Louis Body Island, and we're the co-founders, along with a lot of professors and doctors and that. And what we found is that there's between six and a half and ten thousand people in Ireland alone with this disease. And that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah. and because there's also, and I know it's a statistic that's in your book uh, as well. Like according to the World Health Organization, there's a person diagnosed with dementia every three seconds around the world and in Ireland 30 people are diagnosed with dementia every day. I mean it's just a shocking, shocking uh, figure. But for those who don't know you Kevin, you only took up writing since your diagnosis. Isn't isn't that fair to say? 
Patricia, I couldn't write an essay going to school. I hated it. <laughs> and after being diagnosed, what actually happened was I was up and down to my neurologist because she thought I was too young and that it was the last thing on her mind that I had Louis Wilde dementia. So I did the death scan and it turned around that I had the Louis Wilde dementia. So they asked me to keep notes and I, on a weekly basis, if I could, and, and better again on a daily basis, which I did for about six months. And one of the doctors said to her one day, or said to me one day, um, would you ever consider putting this into a book? It would be of great help to us. And little did I know at the time that I had become the first person in the world to write a book about Louis Boy dementia from the patient's point of view. And it also highlighted the importance of a proper diagnosis because the amount of people I will meet that say they've been told they have dementia or they have a touch of dementia, they haven't been diagnosed. Mm. It's as simple as that. And you can't have a touch of dementia. Can no, it? no. It's like someone saying uh, you have cancer, you have a touch of cancer yeah. and leaving it at death. It has to stop. It's way worse than the stigma ever was. And when you talk about a diagnosis, somebody you reference throughout the book is one who, somebody who was my favourite actor, the wonderful uh, Robin Williams. And Robin Williams had Louis body dementia, but, but he didn't know he had it. He didn't know he had it. And the thing about it is that since um, within the last 12 months, since the film Robin's Wish came out, I've got friendly with Tyler Norwood, who was the director of the film. I've spoken to him in a couple of Zoom meetings, and I get to meet Robin's wife in England uh, in June with the help of God wow. next year. And the, po- my, the poem I wrote in the book called Kevin, um, Robert and Louis, um, she actually has that, and she has, she has my book, and we're both looking forward to meeting one another. That'll be brilliant. That'll be brilliant, because it was, it was after he died when a post-mortem was done, they discovered... That's when he was diagnosed. It was, yeah. Oh, and we had the first ever Louis Body Academy in Belfast at the weekend. And you had people there like Dag Asland, Ian McKeith, the, the, the top, top 30 people in the world who are studying Louis Body disease with over 30 years were all together in one room. And they were the first people that uh, Robin's wife, Susan, got in touch with. And the knowledge that they have is unbelievable. And it was such a pleasure to be able to speak with those people and address those people. Look, I'm Kevin Quaid, I was a carpenter. Um, I'm living in Kentucky, County Cork, and to be sitting among these people in Belfast at the weekend was, it was astound- astounding. And yeah, but I, yeah, but I imagine for all those experts, Kevin, you were the most important person who attended that conference at the weekend and for you to speak and for them to hear your words is vital. Well, it is vital. And the one thing that they took away from it and um, while we were on a panel discussion, I was asked what's the one piece of advice that people like me could give to consultants and doctors and that. And that is to listen, to listen to us. Because when you see me out, I'm good. I'm out having a cup of coffee in Kentucky. I'm out having a few pints in Kentucky. And I'm good. And everyone in, everyone in Kentucky knows me. The community knows me. And I have to say that, like, I'm a blowing, I'm a Limerick man <laughs> living mm-hmm. in County Cork. The people in Kentucky are 
probably the nicest people I've ever met in my life. They have taken to me, they'll meet you, and if you're missing for a couple of days, you'll be asked, how are you doing, how are you keeping, and if I've been in hospital or something, you can tell them. And Kevin, do you think that's important for other dementia patients? It doesn't have to be Louis body with dementia. There's, you know, because everyone thinks of Alzheimer's. There's just so many different types of dementia. Is it important, do you believe, for people to get out there and tell people, I have dementia? It's absolutely critical, but not just dementia. We have purposely named um, Louis Body Ireland, Louis Body Ireland. We have left out the word dementia because when you hear dementia, it automatically triggers memory loss, which I don't have. Mm. And there's a, a friend of mine, his name is Dave Graney. He doesn't mind me using his name. And he's over in the Carebright facility in Bruff. I had never in my life met Dave until he was forced to go and live in the Carebright facility because he could no longer stay at home. I met him three times, and I was over there about a month ago, and I hadn't met Dave for two and a half years, and the very minute he saw me, he lifted his head and he said, Kevin Quaid, I thought I'd never again see you. Uh. And his daughter-in-law called to him two days later, and she said, yeah, he said, Kevin was here on Monday, and I believe he's writing a new book. I wonder did he mention me in it? And you, do, and you did indeed. You, you did. I did. So it's just proving dementia isn't always about Correct. Uh, memory a, a memory loss. And as I said in the introduction, you know, this part of your book is a, a difficult read. I mean, for me, Kevin, the hardest part was reading about your nightmares. And the nightmares and the night terrors are very much part of Louis Body. They are, yeah. And the the hallucinations. They are the, t- they are the toughest part of it. And I'm on medication for it and where the medication has made them slightly easier. Um, they, are a ter- they are a terrifying part of it. And there's no ways about it, but there's nights that I'm afraid to go to sleep. And that's been honest with you. But th- the book, the book itself is, when you put down the book, I want people to say, if they can do it, I can do it. I mean, Every single family in the world, every single family in this country, they have their ups and downs. Look at my good friend who worked with me for years, Jerry Buckley from Fremont. Jerry had cancer, four different types of it. And I met with Jerry on several occasions, and I have a chapter in the book about him. And Jerry passed away before I got a chance to finish my book. But to listen to him, to, to read his poem and his never give up attitude. And like Gareth O'Callaghan with the multiple systems atrophy, he has written a piece in it, Helen Rots from Brennan. And the thing about it is, it, it's not going to work for everyone, but if you get an early diagnosis or an early enough diagnosis and you read this and you put down the book, I want people to be able to say, by God, if they can do it, I can do it. Because we're not professors, we're not doctors, we're ordinary people that had ordinary jobs, living our ordinary everyday lives, and we were given different diagnoses. Like poor Johnny Buckley, he had cancer. I have Louis bodies. Helen Rochelle Brennan has Alzheimer's. And Gareth O'Callaghan had multiple systems atrophy. And what he has and what I have are like identical twins. So that again comes back to 
the proper diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it is so important. You mentioned Alzheimer's there. Talk to me about the role of the Alzheimer's Society and how they have helped you. The Alzheimer's Society. Um, I couldn't say enough for them because it was my own GP, actually, Dr. Donald O'Reilly in Kentuck, who put me in touch with a dementia advisor called Amy Murphy. No, I call Amy a saint. And we went over to the memory room in Mallow and we sat down and I was amazed at all the different gadgets that were there, like clocks that had the date and the time and uh, the year and everything. And it was so easy to read. And she just sat down and had a chat with us and had a cup of coffee just to figure out what we needed in our life. And then she put me in touch with the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, and I became part of their working group. I became vice chair of the working group. Then I became chair of the working group. And now I'm vice chair of the European working group for people with dementia. You're you're such an incredible man. And it's interesting that you mention Amy Murphy being a dementia advisor. When I gave those stats that the statistics that you have in the book of the, you know, somebody diagnosed in the world every three seconds in Ireland, 30 people are diagnosed with dementia every single day. 30 families today will be getting that devastating news. We have nine dementia advisors for the whole country. Well, that changed. That changed last year. Have we more now? Yeah, we have... We have up to 30 at the moment. Oh, do we? Okay, so do we even know? In training, and we're having, we we have a lot more. Not this year's budget, but last year's budget. I've been involved in the budget campaign for the last four years, and we eventually got the extra dementia advisors last year, and the difference they are making is incredible. Because you take the likes of Harry Murphy, she basically had to do Munster. So if she had to call to my house, and spent half an hour with me and then go to Casa Vien. She was all day driving. That's crazy. Crazy. You know? Crazy. So, so good to know. Good to know that they're in the right direction there. And your advocacy work, Kevin, is that really what keeps you going? Um, I was at my GP uh, last week and I said, because I've been in another hospital for the last three months for different, different things associated with Louis Bodies. And I was at my GP the other day and I said, how do you think I'm actually doing? And he said, compared to three years ago, Kevin, he said, it's unbelievable. And it's simply because you're keeping your brain active. That I turned part of my shade I had outside, and I turned part of it into an office. And that's when I do my work. That's when I do my writing. As you know, I write for the Vale Star and the Mallow Star. Yeah. Brilliant, more, brilliant articles. Brilliant most, articles. Most weeks. And people love it. Yeah. But they're informative, and I mean, and that's the one thing that the book—it's the book as I said in the introduction—it's full of hope, but it's full of practical help as well. And what I would love for this book going forward, besides, it's a really interesting book to read. But for families who will get those thirty families that today will get that devastating news, that they'll somehow come across this book and be able to sit down very early on in the diagnosis and read this book and realise there is help available and there is a little bit of hope. And you see, the thing about it is that when, say, the likes of Helena and myself go into a neurologist's office or whatever, you're given the diagnosis of Louis by dementia. I don't have the bad hand of cards. It's your wife and your kids and your family. It's they've got the bad hand of cards. If you want to know what it's like to have Louis by dementia, then you ask me 
But if you want to know what it's like to live with it, then you've got to ask Kalina. Because I can't see the subtle changes every day, but she can. I didn't realise until actually the end of the summer I wasn't able to cut the lawn this year. I haven't been able to drive it four and a half years. Things happen slowly with the disease, but your loved one will see him happening a lot, a lot quicker. And she and, and I know you write about her and she's contributed to the book as well. She did, yeah. Your wife, Alina, is incredible. She is, yeah, definitely. One in a million. Yeah. And it's, it, uh, uh, our kids, like, they're... That's just so supportive. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And as I said, uh, the community here plays the community in Kentuck plays such an important part in my life. And you know, they become caregivers in their own right when I'm out on my own, and they don't even realise it. But that isn't the place I can't go in this town. That I know that if I'm in trouble or if I want to go home, I can ask anyone. I can ask anyone. And that's a massive yeah, but even, even you know one one part in your book about going on the train on your own and just being honest enough to say to somebody, you know, this is what I suffer with. I may need a little bit of help. I just want to double check, you know, where where I get on, where I get off, and how kind the people in Irish Rail have always been to you. We did uh, we did about six months work with Irish Rail, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, and the friends that I have made in Irish Rail are unbelievable. And it's, it's, it's all there in the book, but we had to go to Belfast and I picked up the phone, I rang them, told them, just gave them our names, where we were going and we had the tickets got emailed to us in 20 minutes. And I knew that I'd probably meet some of the lads that we had done work with in Houston. They will take your bags. They're just... Agreed. They're wonderful people, but they have to know. Yeah, you that... see, we have to play our part as well. If I meet you in the morning and I don't tell you that I have some form of a disability, how are you, how are you to guess it? You can't guess it. Yeah. But we were, like, we were in Belfast train station and I didn't even have to say anything. We had our, our, our cases and that. The staff there were so friendly. That people are amazing. And you're not... For as bad and as much as we can give out of what our politicians and it's this is one of the best countries in the world and we have the nicest, kindest people I've ever in my life met. Yeah, that's you're a nice and, kind and, you're a and, nice and, kind person yourself, Kevin. It's just coming back to you. But the reason I had to write the reason I had to write this book, I swore I'd never again write a second book was I always kind of felt that my last book uh, or my first book, Louis, by Dementia Survival of Me, it was a kind of at a cliff edge, and it was always bothering me, a kind of, people are wondering, what happened, Kevin, after this? You know, because my kids have written about it, Helena has written on it, how tough it was for them. And I just want, I just felt the urge and the need, and it took me nearly two years um, to say, look, this is what has been achieved. And it's not about me. It's about what what people can achieve. And that's why I included Gareth O'Callaghan, Helen Russell Brennan, Jerry Buckley, people from every walk, walk of life. Have contributed it's to It's not yeah. just about me. And it, as you'll see inside the front cover of it, we sent out the book to 30 of the top specialists in the world to see what they thought of it. 
and you see yourself at Deccan Backwards. Yeah, fantastic words, each, each and every one of them. And the portrait on the front? The portrait on the front, no, I'll probably pronounce his name. <laughs> it's Conley Adaway. Okay. Um, when Robin Williams died, he drew a portrait for... Of Robert, Robin Williams. Of Robin Williams, yeah. and he gave it to Susan. Yeah. And that's the portrait on the back of the book. And the wonderful Karen Meenan, who was... She, she was like my manager. She got Cunley to do a portrait for me. And he did? And to see actually drew that. And it's stunning. It's stu- and, and fun, you have funny, the original portrait, though, you do. A, fun, a funny story the weekend in Belfast. Karen had the portrait for three months and they were to present it to me in Belfast and get everyone to sign it who was at the conference. And one of the porters found it above one of the rooms after they had checked out. And I'm standing in the lobby and he's looking at me and I'm looking at the back of the portrait. And he looks down and looks up and looks down and looks up and next he goes, this is you. <laughs> It backfronted them completely, but I have it here in front of me. Brilliant, brilliant. It is beautiful. And Camille, are you having are you having an official launch of the book? We're having the official launch tonight. Okay. At where else? On Equades Bar in Kentork. Yeah. At eight o'clock. Um, Amy Murphy is going to say a few words. Joe Quaid will introduce the people. Amy will talk for a couple a couple of minutes. I have Professor Andrew Wormald from Limerick, who I did research with. He'll speak for a few minutes. I will. Then our own great Michael Moynihan, who has been wonderful. My God, the support that man has given me down through the years has Brilliant. been unbelievable. He's going to officially launch it. Then Helena will say a few words, and then we have a very, very special guest. Uh, after that, there'll be a little bit of food. And... I know, as I say, I think it used to be called karaoke. It is karaoke, but we have an open mic night. Okay. So it's... Will you sing yourself? Actually, I might have an well open mic tour. Well done. Listen, <laughs> you've, well, you've another great book on your hands. Somebody asking, where is the book available? The book, the book will be available in um, New Leaf Health Shop in Kentuck and Charleville. Okay. It will be from tomorrow on. I'm doing a book signing in Horns in Manor West in Tralee next Wednesday. And I'm doing it from two to four. And I'm doing a book signing in Phillips in Mallow on Saturday from 10 until 2. Okay. And it's going to be in the, um, we'll say private bookstores like that all over the country eventually. It's also on Amazon and Kindle, but... I want to try and get around and meet as many people as I can. Okay. I'll be down in Bandon, Bandon Bookstore as well, um, early December. Okay, well, you let you let us know. Uh, remind us when any of those dates are on and we'll certainly get, give it a mention well, for you. Tonight, I'd Great. love to see as many okay. people as possible. Listen, enjoy the launch. Look after yourself. My love and hugs to Helena, your, your, wonderful, your wonderful wife. Uh, but you look after yourself, Kevin. It's well, always a pleasure. Before you go, Patricia, can I give my my sincere condolences to you on uh, Colin O'Connell and his wife, mm-hmm. Peg, and family. I was listening to you this morning. Um, uh, fair play to you for keep going because, as you said, the show must go on. But wow, it's a been man. a very tough weekend for you. Yeah, and I, really do, I really do feel for you. Thank you. Thank you. And That's really kind I of you. That's pass really on my kind. best 
best wishes to uh, to everyone. I will. And it's All great right. talking to you. Great. You mind yourself. Take care, Kevin. Okay, Patricia. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. The wonderful, wonderful author. He always is the thing about being called an author, but that's what he is. Kevin Quaid. The book is called I Am Kevin, Not Louis. Court Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A number of people commenting on my interview there with Kevin Quaid, including Anne, saying, what a wonderful man. The best of luck with his uh, second book. And uh, Mary said, what goes around comes around. That man is unbelievable. He was so uplifting. I'm actually feeling better now just listening to him. Thank you, Patricia, for the interview. And he actually plays down himself how bad what the Louis body does to him, particularly the night terrors. And at that section of the book, my heart just went out to him. And I know I follow him. He's great on Twitter. And every now and again, you'll see him on Twitter late at night where he's not able to sleep or he slept and he's had a really bad hallucination or night terrors and terrified to go back to sleep because he'll be plunged right back into that hallucination, which is so real for him. Your heart will break from. He's a great, great man and he's doing fantastic work for other people suffering with Louis body and indeed other types of uh, dementia. We wish him nothing but love and luck into the future. The great Kevin Quaid. Okay, we've got to take another break, unfortunately, because I enjoyed my chat with Kevin and I wasn't going to interrupt him to take a break. So we have another quick break to take before we go to news at uh, 12. We will be chatting with the Citizens Information Centre. Our monthly advice piece is on people unable to work due to illness or disability. They'll have advice. And Annalise Dressel of the Health Hub Times Square and Balancolic answers all of you nutritional questions get those into us Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group promoter home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie you're listening to Court Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed some of your thoughts coming into us uh, Paul, Tony McCroom was on was his brother you'd feel his poor brother is really suffering with a dental issue at the moment now he has been attending a dentist the dentist can't do anything for him though he needs to go to the dental hospital he obviously needs to have some dental surgery done which is up at uh, CUH and his dentist has sent letters after letters to the dental hospital but all that's coming back is they're only dealing with emergencies at the moment and Tony is wondering is anybody else finding themselves in, in the same experience of his brother and he's in agony so if you're in agony is that how what's deemed an emergency I mean if you're in that much pain that the dentist has written a couple of times I wonder Tony has your brother tried ringing the dental hospital to push his case as well and to explain the amount of pain that he's in at the moment and see if that can can speed it up but, but then there's waiting lists everywhere but I, I always hate when we hear anything about somebody suffering any kind of a toothache and not being able to get access to a dentist as we know we've got ferocious problems with that at the moment because you know yourself anytime you've suffered from a toothache you nearly go off your head with the pain it's probably one of the worst pains of all is to suffer with toothache so my sympathies to your brother Tony but I would suggest maybe ringing the dental hospital to let them know just how much pain your brother is actually in and how long it's been going on for and then Jimmy has an issue with the bus and bus it's the 11am bus from Mallowtown Park and he was getting on the bus used it a lot to go out to Mallow General Hospital but as he was getting on the bus obviously the bus driver recognised Jimmy and knows he's somebody that just goes as far as the hospital which is just, which for people outside of Mallow won't know this is just outside of Mallow Town it's on the way that bus is obviously heading towards Limerick and on up into Galway and then it stops there at the hospital and people can get on or off 
driver explained to Jimmy that sorry I'm not going to be able to stop that it is the location now Mallow Hospital is no longer a step off and they won't be able to stop to allow Jimmy off so Jimmy had to get off the bus walk up into Mallow Town get a taxi that then cost him a tenner to go out to the hospital and he said he really didn't want to miss the appointment in case he'd be waiting a while for another appointment and then he said as he left the hospital he was afraid to wait across the road for the bus in case it's the same going the other way that they're not stopping either and he ended up having to walk back into town and that's a fair bit of a walk Uh, Jimmy you're a fit man I would get on to bus air get on to bus air and see what bus air and as to the reason why they're stopping because there is a bus stop outside the hospital it's a recognised bus stop so maybe get on to them and find out are there only certain buses that are not going to stop there or are they removing the bus stop completely let us know how you get on Jimmy 1850 on dementia Tim says dementia was very noticeable in my mother in her early 80s this was about 15 years ago but Tim said it definitely got worse when she was put into a nursing home and listening to Kevin, even the experts are saying, his doctors are even saying because he is keeping himself so active and he's keeping his brain so active. He is fighting Louis body on a daily basis and it certainly is helping and that's what the book very much shows uh, as well. OK, back to people in restaurants getting charged over the odds or in coffee shops. And what happened to me with the top up tea? Here's, a, here's a, a really good text in from a listener to say, my friend has a restaurant and she keeps saying that people are coming in. They'll have a cup of coffee and a scone or a cup of coffee and a cake and then a big chat. And three hours later, they're still sitting there. And yes, she would charge them for refill top ups, but not if they had a meal. They're running a business at the end of the day, not a social club. People have no problem going into a pub and paying a minimum five euro for a meal. She says this COVID has definitely changed people into whiners and moaners and they're more to Romantic. <laughs> Not sure if you're having to go at me because uh, I was definitely meeting up with a friend that I hadn't seen in, in quite some time and we were having a bit of a chat and we did have breakfast and we were there I would say a little over an hour and we did take we uh, what I thought was the top up but we ended up paying for the extra cup of tea so yes I accept that but it wasn't that it was the, the cafe was busy for sure it was busy but I was definitely keeping an eye to make sure that we weren't taking up seats so there wasn't a big queue of people waiting for seats and there wasn't because if there had been a big queue of people I certainly would have because we ended up then going outside and it was a lovely remember yesterday that lovely watery sun and we stood at our cars chatting for probably another good half an hour as you do. Can I just say on that meeting up with my friend Anne uh, yesterday it's one of those things I was thinking about it as I was driving away from our, from our catch up and we haven't met God it's probably only a handful of times we've met up this year but you know that friendship as I say we met in first year in school and we've gone through sort of all of our adult life as, as kind of best friends and and then you go through life and things happen and COVID happens for example and obviously my world has changed completely with Marsha and you know I don't socialise as much as, as I would have done beforehand and certainly with COVID and no respite or no one to look after Marsha we certainly don't socialise anything like we used to do uh, before so I don't get to meet up with a lot of friends but you know when you have those friends where you can sit down you mightn't have seen each other or been in each other's company for a year 
and you can sit down and you chat as if you'd only been with each other yesterday and the conversation just flows and you never have to stop and think about what am I going to say next and even as you're leaving there's something else you need to tell her and something else you need to tell her and, and I drove away from, from our catch up yesterday with a big smile on my face and you know something it did the soul good we need to we need to do that more often particularly I think friends that maybe because of Covid we've just disconnected with or haven't been able to spend time with it's just it really is, is so important but listen sorry I digress to your listener to that lady who texted us and your friend in the restaurant I fully understand and that is unfair for people to go in and just have a cup of coffee and a scone and expect to sit in a restaurant for three hours or a cafe for three hours that is unfair and I would 100% agree with your friend charging people for, for top ups and then Court says Patricia went for breakfast last Friday my friend asked for a fried egg instead of the mushrooms in her you know, cooked Irish breakfast. We got charged an extra one fifty for the egg. And by the way, says Cot, same as one of your previous listeners, the teas and coffees were not included either. We had to pay extra for that. I think I certainly think that now has become the norm. I think for first the set Irish breakfast when they're advertising it, it's no longer going to going to include the tea and the coffee. Hi Patricia, would you say well done to the Cantor Curling team that did a fantastic display of hurling in extra time last Saturday night in Cork. They're now into the final. Well done lads. And that's coming in from somebody who signs themselves as a Cantor fan. Now here's something and I wonder are others noticing the same are similar. And I'm not going to name the establishments except the one establishment that we can name. It says Patricia was in Cork City yesterday and I noticed the following. Hand sanitizers were very scarce when entering some shops. Uh, there was no hand sanitizer at all at some of the doors and others when you went the hand sanitizer was empty. Then went into Brown Thomas and in fairness to Brown Thomas everything was set up really well. They had two hand sanitizing stations at the front door and one at the side. Well done to Brown Thomas. Were shops in general given instructions to take away the hand sanitizers at shop doors I wonder? Surely with the rise in COVID infections recently the least shop owners can do is to have proper hand sanitizer hand sanitizers at the shop entrance thanking you and that's from uh, Breed I can personally say I've noticed in a few places I've gone to when it's there the hand sanitizing station is there but they're not always full they're empty I've actually pointed it out to shops and say sorry and I also have a little bottle in my bag for that reason but I've pointed it out to shops certainly there hasn't been a general instruction given from Neffet are from the HSE. If anything, Neffet are constantly saying to keep the hand washing up and the hand sanitising is still as important as ever. So I think if it happens again to you breathe and you do go into a shop, I would be saying to you, point it out to them and say to them, because I think if enough people start saying to businesses, you haven't got hand sanitizer available, I think they'll start making sure that the hand sanitizer uh, will be available for everybody. So yes, but there certainly has been no direction not to hand uh, sanitizer. Neil says, morning Patricia. I texted you recently about getting my booster shot. I got called to City Hall for my booster shot and everything went well. Listening to your comments on the show this morning, it piqued my curiosity. So I decided to check my vaccination card. There were two boxes on the card, the additional dose and the booster dose. The box that is ticked is for the additional dose. On the opposite side of the card, there's an expiry date of two months. 
don't know what that means. And by the way, the time span between my second jab and my booster was five months. So I'm now all a little bit confused listening to this morning. So I did a quick check on the HSE about the booster doses and who they're giving the booster vaccine to at the moment. And they say you should get a booster. Now, at the moment, remember, they're only giving it to the over 60s and the immune compromised and people in nursing homes. You should get a booster dose around six months after finishing a course of COVID-19 vaccines. Sometimes you might get it at least two months after finishing the course. So so it does look like that they have flexibility. But if you've had COVID-19 since you were vaccinated, then you're told you need to wait six months before you get a booster dose. That's for somebody vaccinated who then gets COVID-19. Because I saw somebody actually ask that very same question. Somebody was on to us to to say that they were vaccinated and got COVID-19. Will they have to wait? You do. You'll need to uh, wait the six uh, the six months. Hi Patricia, I heard you mention earlier about a lady that messaged you to say she wouldn't be going forward for her booster vaccine. Not sure her uh, reason, but I also will be slow to go for my uh, booster as I was extremely unwell for three weeks after getting the one shot Janssen in July. I couldn't go through that awful sickness again and that's from Anna. Can I just say to you Anna, and I was with my mother-in-law on Saturday who is in her mid-70s and she got her booster shot and we were talking about you know she the usual she felt a little bit unwell when she got her first uh, shot there doesn't seem to be and again I checked with the information coming out from Israel because the booster is really just a top up your body actually recognises it people that were you know very unwell with symptoms after getting the the initial vaccine, which passed, I have to say, for most people after a few days. Some people like yourself had a bit of a reaction uh, to it, but there doesn't seem to be any evidence that there's any reaction from the booster. And I think that's got to do with the fact that you've got the antibodies. Remember, it's only topping up what's already in in your system. So I would chat to your doctor about it or wherever you're going for your booster jab. But all the evidence is there to say that the booster will keep you safe for Anna. So I do a little bit more uh, investigation into it and don't just base it on how you were the last time because you could get it this time and be absolutely perfect and have no side effects at all please God 1850 333 103 lines are open The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie Donnerail Active Retirement they've got arts and crafts at 2 o'clock today it's followed by a meeting at 3 Um, In the Presentation Pastoral Centre, all COVID requirements will be observed. Brian Clark, who is head chef at the Briar Rose in Douglas, he's appealing for donations of new toys. It's to help him provide toys and meals for over 300 children this Christmas. The toy drive runs up to the 19th of December and the new toys can be dropped off at the Briar Rose. Kildallery Community Development, they've got their weekly lotto draw next Thursday, four in the afternoon in the community office with a jackpot of €4,100. And Blackwater Valley Makers have a brand new premises at 12 McCurtain Street in Formoy and they're inviting you to help celebrate with a wine reception and music amongst their beautiful art and crafts next Friday from half past six to 8pm. The Makers are privileged to welcome RTE executive producer Sarah Ryder as their guest speaker on Friday evening and visitors can afford to a wonderful night out. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's consent. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103. Our monthly chat with the Citizens Information uh, Centre. Today I'm joined by Anne O'Donovan, Development Manager with South Munster Citizens Information Centre, which covers West Cork and is based in Bantry. Good afternoon to you, Anne. Hi, Patricia. And How are you doing? I, I'm very well, thank you. And you're welcome to the programme. Now, today's uh, topic is supports for people who are unable to work either due to illness or to uh, disability. But first, you start with how are things operating at Citizen Information at present? Have you got wa- walk-ins underway or what's happening? Uh, no, we're still providing our service mainly by phone, Patricia, but also see people by appointment in circumstances where it's not possible to deal with the issue over the phone. So, like, I suppose because, and particularly with the way the numbers are going and everything, we're trying to keep people as safe as possible. So if we can deal with something over the phone, we will do that. But um, but but obviously there are times where we need to see somebody. So what we generally ask people, contact us first by phone, and uh, because you can't, our walk-in isn't still open, so we will have a chat with you over the phone and if you need an appointment we will certainly facilitate it Great. if possible so um, um, our office is in Bantry and for Moy, Mallow and Yall they're all set up to meet people by appointment uh, because they have got the necessary PPE in place and everything But, but in, in the majority of cases Anne it can be dealt with over the phone can't it if it's just particular information somebody's looking for 
it is, yeah. Do, yeah. do you know, I suppose over over the past year, we've become quite creative in how we're, <laughs> we're responding, you know, so things that we would certainly always have seen people face-to-face before, we're now do, doing over the phone, like filling forms and different things. Now, obviously, it, it's not quite the same. You know, obviously, we still want to get back to being able to see people face-to-face. But look, at the moment, we're doing our, you know, we're, we'll do what we can to, as I said, to, to be able to meet people's needs, but at the same time, people, keep people safe, you know. Yeah. And I will stress, if someone needs to be seen face-to-face, we will certainly well do all we can to facilitate. Well done. OK, today we're looking at somebody unable to work due to illness or disability. And obviously, when someone gets diagnosed uh, and is sick and not able to attend work, it can be very, very uh, s- uh, stressful. And for some people, that illness and that diagnosis may mean that they need to give up work. So talk us through what social welfare supports are there at the moment for people. Yeah, well, look, I suppose you're correct, Patricia, in saying that it can be very stressful and uh, and confusing, I suppose, because for a lot of times when someone's in that situation, like they're at maybe at some kind of crossroads and they didn't expect to be in, and they, they've they never contacted the social welfare system before, and they mightn't even be sure of the pay, the names of the payments. And that's something, when someone contacts, we may spend a little bit of time, first of all, making sure that someone's talking about the right payment. Um there are a number of uh, of illness related payments so it depends so i mean there is a um there are some benefits for called the occupational injuries benefits say if somebody has an accident at work or an accident while traveling directly to or from work um and that in that kind of situation there's payments like the injury benefit um which and and again i'd stress is this where someone has an injury um at work or on on an unbroken journey to and from work you know so they've left the office or they've left their workplace and they've gone straight home and they have an, an injury so there is injury benefit there um now for a lot of people obviously it, it, they 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 they're interested in the social welfare system where maybe they're off sick for work so if you're working as an employee and you have enough PRSI paid you will generally go on to illness benefit first um, now, I suppose, again, what I'd want to stress about that in illness benefit is available to people who are employees. It's not available to somebody who is self-employed. Um, it's paid for a maximum of two years, again, depending on what how much PRSI somebody has. And the important thing about illness benefit, it's not linked to your employer's policy on pay for sick leave. So um, whether your employer pays you or not while you're out sick from work, you should claim illness benefit from the first day of your illness. Okay, now when you mention the employer paying somebody, does an employer have to pay sick pay if an employee is out sick? In general, no. You have no legal right to be paid while you're on sick leave from work um, because it's not covered by any of the employment legislation. Now, an interesting thing is that this is due to change from 2022. So now, as I said, currently, it's at the discretion of the employer whether or not sick pay is paid. But we would advise because we'd often get questions around this. So we, the first thing we would always say to employees, check what it says in their contract of employment. Does does their contract of employment say they're going to be paid whether they're out sick leave or not? Now, um, and I suppose so. some employers do pay sick leave, but a lot don't, you know. And But as mentioned earlier there, it, this is due to change in 2022. And now legislation will have to be enacted to bring it in to... Uh, to make it a legal entitlement to, to have, and but it will be a, a positive development when it comes in for employees. Okay, talk us through those changes that at the moment are proposed for next year. Now, I suppose the first thing I do need to stress is it, that this is a draft scheme, so, you know, changes may take place before it's enacted, but what is planned, okay? And so the first thing that's planned so that there will be some paid sick leave 
introduced in 2022. So it's kind of on a sliding scale. So what they're hoping is that somebody that they will introduce up to three sick, um, paid sick days in 2022 and then is planned to increase it to five days in 2023, seven days in 2024 and 10 days in 2025. So that obviously will be a very positive development. Now, uh, the, the thing about it, the rate of pay will be uh, what they're proposing anyway is that somebody will be paid up to 70% of their normal wages uh, each for those days up to no, but there is a cap up to a maximum of 110 per day. And the other important thing, I suppose, about that scheme is that to be to to avail of it, the person must be working for the employer for at least six months, and they will also need to be certified by GP as unfit to work. So okay. somebody yes. has to have a message. You can't just ring in and yeah, say. I can't I'm ring in on a Monday yeah. to say I'm, yeah, I'm feeling so, unwell. Now, can yeah. you get illness benefit and sick pay at the same time? Yeah, you know, you can apply for in this benefit, yeah, while you're getting, while you're also getting sick pay. But I suppose the the normal procedure would be, so if your employer is paying you, you would apply for the illness benefit, but you'd have the illness benefit paid to the employer. So they're getting that much back. So they're paying you as normal. You claim the illness benefit, but the illness benefit is paid to your employer. Yeah, that that kind of makes sense. Now, you yeah, mentioned yeah. that somebody could stay on illness benefit uh, for, two, for two years. What happens at the end of the two years if you're still unwell and not able to go back to work? Yeah, unfortunately, that does happen for somebody. So for some people, so if somebody um, has at least five years of PRSI paid, um, they would uh, and they they would be eligible to apply for invalidity pension. Now that's a weekly payment to people who cannot work uh, because they have a long term illness or disability. And generally, what will happen then? So if somebody has that long term condition. Um, they can stay on the invalidity pension as long as they meet the, the, the medical criteria up until they're 66. And then at 66, they transfer automatically to their to the state pension contributory at the full rate. Now, the important thing as well about invalidity pension is it's available to the self-employed, uh, you know, who, who meet the PRSI requirements. Now, this is a very positive development because this came in in 2017 and up until then, self-employed people had no entitlement, entitlement to any, yeah, any yeah. of the kind of insurance-based um, yeah. payments. So whereas they can't avail of the illness benefit, the short-term payment, self-employed people can apply for the invalidity pension as well. So, so that's just uh, important that people are aware of that. And there's a free there's free travel pass with it and extra social welfare benefits. That's right. Because invalidity pension is seen as a long-term uh, payment, there are secondary benefits. So yes, so you're right, the free travel is there and they may also, in certain circumstances, um, be eligible for the household benefits package. You know, that's where the free television licence yeah. and electricity allowance as well. Yeah. But yeah. that's means tested, isn't it? Well, it, it's... It depends on your circumstances. It, it depends who else is living with you. Yeah. So, like, if you were on invalidity pension and you were living with your spouse or partner who is dependent on you, you would um, qualify, then. You'd qualify for okay. it. Yeah. So, right. so it's, yeah, so it, it depends really who else is with you. Okay, now you mentioned that the illness benefit and the invalidity pension are very much dependent on PRSI contributions. What happens if the person who becomes unwell doesn't have enough PRSI contributions? Yeah, now in this situation, so again, where somebody has a long-term uh, illness or disability, and I suppose this is where the language becomes very important, though so they have a, condi- a condition that is continued for at least a year or is expected to continue for at least another year, 
and I suppose as a result someone is only is substantially restricted from taking up work so they kind of have to meet all those kind of conditions in that situation they could apply for disability allowance now disability allowance is a means tested payment but it again for anybody who has a long term condition and doesn't meet the PRSI that's the one we would be saying yeah, that's the one somebody should look at now if it's a short term condition so let's say for argument someone they were out playing football and broke their leg or something like that and they don't qualify for illness benefit and obviously because it didn't happen when they were at uh, at work they don't qualify for injury benefit in a situation like that their only option would be to apply for supplementary welfare allowance which is is that short term emergency payment that's there for people yeah, but again like, it's means tested yeah, it's, like the sa- so, it's like the safety net that catches people yeah, if they fall between all, all of the other stools yeah that, that's a good description of it absolutely so so yeah but that's only, and now obviously obviously the means test for that is quite tight so okay. but that's your only option if it's short term but if it's a long if you're long term uh, condition absolute disability allowance is the one to be looking at okay what about people who had to take time off work because of covid-19 well, that that is different. It is different there. So if a worker is told to uh, either self-isolate, restrict their movements, or they are actually diagnosed with COVID-19, they can apply for the COVID-19 enhanced illness benefit payment. Now, that is €350 Euros per week. So the normal illness benefit is 203 So, but the enhanced one is 350 in relation to COVID. Now, again, both in p- people who are employees and people who are self-employed can qualify for that payment. And that will remain in place until the 8th of February 2022 so it's still there so that's for anybody so it is different with if COVID. you if, yeah. if and, on, COVID, and unfortunately yeah. people are still getting diagnosed with, co- so, with COVID yeah, yeah. what happens to somebody's annual leave when they're out sick you know that's a question you know, we'd often get so if if someone's unfortunate enough to be taking holidays and they get, let's say get sick the first day and um, in that scenario if they have medical cert for the days they're sick they can they can those sick days are not counted as annual leave days so instead then they can use the same number of days as annual leave at a later date so let's say they book five days off they end up being sick for the five days they have medical cert to prove that well then they can carry have their five days annual leave take them at a later stage when they're back and I suppose an important thing really is that the employer can't insist that you take your annual leave days on days you're off sick so if you have medical certs for those days, you know, so that that's kind of important thing to, to remember. And another thing really is that you can build up your annual leave entitlement while you're off sick as long as you have a medical certificate. So if someone's out on long term sick and they can't take their annual leave due to illness, they can carry it over for up to 15 months after the end of the year it was earned. So, you know, again, they don't lose it. They have up to fifteen months to take it. Yeah, when they when they come back, and nobody wants yeah. wants to be out sick. I think the majority of people no. would like to be back in, oh, in work. So yeah. if if that happens, if somebody has been off work on an illness related social welfare payment, but feels they'd like to go back into work, but maybe would be unable to do you know a full thirty nine hour a week because of the health issue, have they any options? Yeah, they have they have some options, and it really depends on which social payment social welfare payment you're receiving. So. If you're getting illness benefit, which we you know is a short term payment, so if you're getting that for a minimum of six months, or you ha are you on the the long, more long term invalidity pension? Both of those are the insurance based payments, and somebody wants to go back to work, they will. What they would do is they would apply for partial capacity benefit. So that's where you're there. Someone wants to go back, but they feel their capacity for work is reduced because of of their medical condition. So. 
what, what happens in that situation then you you apply to the department for partial capacity benefits so and that's one of the ones now you have to contact the department directly to get the form because you can't get it online or we don't you, you know we'd have forms but we don't have that when you have to contact the department directly and then you so you're applying for partial capacity benefits and then they assess the the a medical risk assessor from the department will assess how restricted you are so they will see are you there's there's kind of different rates whether you keep 50% of your payment you're on or 75% or 10 or 100% you know so uh, so you keep a percentage of your illness benefit or uh, you know the, uh, the amount you're getting on your illness benefit or you're on your invalidity pension and you're allowed to work so and then if you qualify for the partial capacity benefit you don't have to send in any medical certs but the most important thing I suppose I would state about partial capacity benefit um, is that you do you apply for it before you start work. Okay. okay? That's really, really important because sometimes people have started work and they come to us about it and then, then you're running into difficulties. So, so do the it most before. Thing, uh, do it before. So you can, so if you're thinking of, you say you've been off sick, but you really want to get back in and you want to put your toe back in the water, what we really say is apply for the partial capacity benefit and you don't even have to have a job lined up, you you know, they and they'll assess you. So, uh, and then nothing will happen. You you continue on your payment until you actually start the work. Okay, and the listener says, hi, could you ask your expert from the Citizens Information, that's Anne O'Donovan, uh, about my 20-year-old son who's on disability benefit. Can you work so many hours a week without it affecting the benefit? So for disability allowance. It's disability allowance, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So if you're receiving the, if the means-tested disability allowance and you start work, basically... What happens is you need to just notify the Department of Social Protection and provide proof of your earnings. So that could be a wage slip or your contract of employment or a letter from your employer can be used to prove your earnings. So with disability allowance, you can work at and earn up to €140 Euros a week. That's after PRSI pension contributions or if there's any union dues without the DA being, without the disability allowance being affected. So, um, so let's, so the first 140 so if somebody was only working a few hours and getting €140 Euros a week um, after paying PRSI and pension, etc., they would still keep their maximum disability allowance with it. Then after that, it's on a sliding scale. You know, between 140 up to a certain amount, you keep you know, a percentage. But that's the kind of thing, really, if somebody... So somebody wanted to talk to us, we'd go through the means test and explain it. But going back to your listener, absolutely, if your son can, if he's on DA and he's interested in looking at getting work, you can you can work. Yeah, and, and, and it's important amount, yeah. as well for somebody living with a disability like that to be able to get get out there and work. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so that we would very much encourage people and we would deal a lot with that where people are looking at work and just seeing how their disability allowance, how their other benefits would be affected by them taking up work. And the other thing then is, um, and there are some changes to the means test for how much you can earn is being in our the different limits is coming in was announced in the budget there and that's going to come into effect from June of next year so you know so again come and talk to us Okay stay with the budget though were there other changes announced in the budget which will benefit people who are ill? Well, yes, I suppose the first, the, the, the maximum rate of all the weekly social welfare payments are going to increase by five euros with a proportional increase then for the 
qualified adults and people on reduced payments and that those are all going to come into effect from January. So that will include the illness benefit, disability allowance and invalidity pension and the, any of the other payments there. Um, then if I suppose an important thing then because of the season we're approaching, if you're receiving a long term payment which includes invalidity pension and disability allowance, um, you'll receive the Christmas bonus and that's usually paid in early December and that's going to be 100% of your normal uh, weekly long-term social welfare payment. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't apply to anybody on illness benefit as this is uh, our injury benefit as those are seen as being short-term payments, but any of the long-term payments, it will apply. And um, well, I suppose another one as well is you, your listeners might be, would be aware of the drug payment scheme. Do you know, that's where you pay... Um, a maximum amount of uh, currently it's 114 euros in a calendar month for any approved um, uh, prescribed drugs or medicines and certain appliances for use for, by yourself or your family. So, um, so that you you pay up to 114 and it's capped at that. But that cap is, which is a really positive thing from in, it was announced in the budget that the monthly threshold is going to come down from 114 to 100 euros per month. Now we don't have any date yet when that's going, going to come to, in, but probably next. I was, I yeah, was going I to ask you on that one, and yeah. I know we've been trying to find out as well because yeah. so many listeners, uh, you would be surprised how many families are paying out that money every, yeah. every month, and so many listeners were hoping that it was going to come in. It never comes in. Certainly not no. the week that it's announced. It's usually well into the new year. It is, and I, I, obviously, there, and it still isn't because I know we were wondering as well if one would come in. Now, a date there is one for is say, I, and you know there is a, a grant of fifty percent that's up to a maximum of five hundred euros towards the cost of wigs or hair pieces or hair replacement systems. Uh, you know where people need those due to illness. So that's a new scheme which has been introduced as part of the treatment benefit scheme, and that's going to come into effect from June of next year. So that's again a positive yeah, I mean, I, for people affected by that. Would that be for cancer patients with treatment who may lose their hair? It could be for any yeah. of those. Oh, our alopecia is an obvious one. Our is a whole, yeah. yeah, various ones. Now, there were schemes before under the HSE that you could claim back that, by, but now it's been it's now covered under the treatment benefit scheme. From, and that's coming into effect from June. So, so maybe the changes to drug payment might come in from June too. I don't, but we don't have any date for that one. Okay, a listener says, uh, could you ask Anne, please? I'm currently on illness benefit. I was signed out from work. I'm due to start maternity benefit on the first of December. Do I just automatically go from illness benefit to maternity benefit? Do I just transit over? Do you know what I might do is I might come back to you on that one because I um just to. to to clarify that, I need to know. Just I have a few more questions. I need to okay. ask the person. So, so that's, could they that's, could they ring us and we yeah. go through that with them? I'll give you the number there. Yeah. Because I just need to clarify something. Just just because again, I suppose a lot of times when we're dealing with queries from we we need to ask someone a lot a few more questions to get some more details. Perfect. Their Perfect. And so have pen and paper ready because we'll be giving the number out uh, at the end. And we really have gone through a lot of information. It was very uh, detailed uh, 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 today. So. The best way is for people, if they have a particular query that's relating to them, is to get onto the Citizens Information Centre. Yeah, I do, because uh, I suppose, I, I know I've covered quite a lot of issues, of a range of issues today, and, and, and I suppose with any of those, there's a lot more bits and pieces, you know, so that we can tailor the information to someone's circumstances. So, and I suppose the other key thing, Patricia, just we have stressed, obviously we offer a confidential service, so that, you know, so we, so when we, we're talking to somebody, we will maybe have to gather more information so we can give them as comprehensive an answer as possible. 
And can I just let you know as well, our telephone numbers are changing. Um, so um, your listeners maybe who are contacted, our number prefix has been the 0761 prefix. So our numbers now are changing. The, the, the West Cork number is um, 0818078390. And the Mallow number is 0818078000. So... 0818078390 for the West Cork and Mallows 0818078000. Okay. So just to, that you list, and you can also go on our website. Um, I was just, about, I was well, just yeah. about to say, which probably one of the most used websites in this yeah. building, and I can tell you that. Listen, your mind of information will speak again. Thanks for that, and thanks for Thank joining you. us. Good morning, thanks, to you. Patricia. Thank you. Uh, bye bye, Anna O'Donovan, Development Manager with South Munster Citizen Information Service, covering West Cork and based in Bantry. Cork today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurances Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Apologies, we've been a very busy programme today and the clock has beaten us, so we've made contact with Annalise Russell and she'll join us tomorrow to answer your nutritional questions. Apologies on that. Just a quick few texts before I go to the listener who was worried because she had some side effects from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and was felt very unwell and is fearful now of getting a booster because it won't be the Johnson Johnson, you'll be getting the Pfizer. Uh, a listener says, my son-in-law in the US had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine back in April and like your listener he was quite sick after it but he got his booster last week and he's been on to say no side effects at all he was fine which seems to be the same for everybody getting booster there doesn't seem to be anything like the side effects there was uh, the first time to the, the cure for restaurants charging 150 for an egg eat at home like most of us do it's much better call in to see your best friend and, and call in to see your best friend and have a chat every two weeks we don't need to go to a restaurant to meet up says this uh, listener hi Patricia do you go back to the same place when you got your vaccine for the booster jab yes that does look like the way it's going at the moment you'll get called to the vaccination centre where you had your first two I was in a coffee shop in the city yesterday we went for a coffee with my husband two coffees and one muffin 10 euro and 70 cent and there's a first aid course happening in Whelan Hall tomorrow night at 7 the contact remember we were looking for first aid courses the contact is Nora at 87 Two uh, five, and a listener says, "Fair point for the listeners, this is Stephen, regarding people taking up tables uh, long after they finished uh, eating." In my case, I sat outside and we were gone in ten minutes. Said Stephen, "Okay, that's where I leave you." Touch mark ten. Court today on C one hundred three with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.